In the last 10 years, our field has gone from an unknown specialty to a household name. This brings unprecedented opportunities, but we need to rise up to meet them and give our patients the care that they deserve. In order to help others get better, we need to be better. This podcast will help you to become more confident with your patients, more successful in your practice or business, and a leader in pelvic health. And we're gonna have some fun along the way. Join us as we rise together. We're Jesse and Nicole Cozine, founders of Pelvic Sanity Physical Therapy and the creators of the Pelvic PT Huddle. And this is Pelvic PT Rising. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Pelvic PT Rising Podcast with Jesse and Nicole Cozine. Hey Nicole. Hello, hello. All right, tonight we are going to talk about how to rock a meeting with a physician. Subtitle, doctors are people too. They sure are. And I think this is one of the first things that we need to remember. This is not as big of a deal as you're making it. They are people. They have jobs just like you. They have families just like you. And the biggest thing that you need to do when you're talking to a physician about pelvic health is to not focus so much on that, but focus on the human connection of that interaction. And you guys are experts at doing that. You do that with patients eight hours a day, five days a week. Yeah. I don't know why we think that this is anything different, right? What do we do when we connect with patients? We try to, we should be anyways, trying to find something that we can connect with them. And you don't have to like every single one of your patients, but you surely have to find a way to connect with them and find some sort of common ground. And we can't assume that in this case, it's the pelvic floor and pelvic health, because frankly, doctors don't usually share our passion with this area. And so please keep that in your mind too. So we wanted to start by talking about big picture developing your marketing philosophy. And one of the first things that we always want to approach a meeting with is that you guys are the expert in your area, right? Yes, you guys, we are as just physical therapists, musculoskeletal and neuromuscular experts in the body. And in the case of a pelvic health practitioner, pelvic health physio, pelvic health PT, We are the musculoskeletal, neuromuscular experts, biomechanical experts in the pelvic girdle. That's it. It's us. We have freaking doctorates in this area of expertise, and we need to start owning it when we talk to other doctorates of medicine. And that was one of the things that was interesting because we had a physician patient, and I know you were talking with him about how much pelvic floor training and anatomy he got in medical school, right? Yeah. And, you know, and I've treated a lot of physicians actually for their pelvic floor issues. And, you know, I think I always ask them just to make sure I'm hearing them right. And they do not get even your gynecologists, OBGYNs, they do not get an extra level of pelvic floor anatomy, physiology, anything like that, especially not neuromuscular innervations or anything like that much more than the couple of hours that they got in medical school. I am not joking. And they sure as hell don't get any instruction on how to do an actual musculoskeletal exam. And if you run into one who actually does do that, 
my guess is that they learn from a pelvic floor physical therapist. Right. So you're walking in, first of all, with the idea that you are the expert in your own arena that they don't know much about, just like they're the expert in their arena that you don't have as much knowledge on. So this is really a two-way street when you're talking to them. It really is. And I think that, you know, gosh, this gets into a little bit, probably a little bit of a tangent, but we'll go there slightly. You know, we are a female-based and female-dominated specialty, right? And I think that there does come in a little bit of this like uh, inferiority complex a little bit, like the assumption that we need to, that we're not as equals to these physicians. Like, I don't know what that comes from. And, and maybe it's not male, female. Maybe it's just this sort of hierarchical sort of thing in our society that we revere doctors. Like, I don't know what it is, but I don't know. And I don't know why I didn't have to work that much to get that out of me. I've always come at it more with like, yeah, this is my area of expertise and you have an area of expertise. Like, let's share our knowledge and decide if we're going to have this like mutually beneficial relationship. So I really want you to sort of look at what type of mindset you're going into that meeting with. If it's like, oh, I really need them to send more patients to me. Oh, I really want them to like me. I really want to sound smart. It's like, you don't have to sound that smart when they don't know anything about our area. You just have to like say what you know and be do what we do with patients every day and, and connect. And that's really what it's all about is connection on a human level of two smart people in each of their respective fields. And so when you're talking about connection, that means having the kind of interaction that you would have with a patient, with anybody else that you're genuinely interested in and asking questions, right? You're not just spewing your pitch or your spiel at this point. Yeah. Like I think the biggest, the biggest mistake that we make, right, is like, oh, we're so nervous to actually get this meeting. And then, you know, we're bringing lunch. And if you didn't catch that episode where we talked about like a never buy physician's lunch, like this eliminates that problem. But like we need to come with the just general curiosity of like, who are they? What do they like to treat? How they get into medicine? Like who's their patient population? Who gives them the most trouble? What do they actually like treating? Like just a general genuine curiosity as to like who they are. And does that give you a lot more insight into like how you can quote unquote pitch them at that point, if you know who they like treating and who they struggle with. Heck yeah. Right. Cause if they're like, gosh, you know, you know, I was in a meeting with this urologist and they're just like, you know, they had the attitude that anybody with interstitial cystitis was just a big, huge pain in their ass. And my immediate pitch, instead of coming into them with being like interstitial cystitis is a poorly understood, you know, bladder pain condition that really has a pelvic floor underpinning. It's like, I didn't go in and say that. I was like, Hey, you know, what do you do with your IC patients? And he was like, Oh, there's such a pain in the ass. They are suck all my time. And I was like, I love treating them seriously. Send them my way. I will take them off of your hands. And guess what? He sent freaking every I see patient he ever had, you know, it's all I had to say. I didn't have to pitch him on how much I knew about interstitial cystitis. At that point I was like, Oh, let me just put the book on the back burner. Right. Cause that guy didn't care that I wrote the book. He just wanted those patients off of his plate. It's fine. So that's what you're meaning about actually forming a connection, seeing what they like working with, what areas you guys have in common, and then what areas that you can supplement what they're doing and vice versa. 
Totally. Right. And then say like, I love treating pregnant moms. This is how I can totally help them. Great. Like I would love to save them from unnecessary surgery too soon. And then talk to them about prehabbing. I mean, get the connection first about what you're passionate about so that it's not that you're pitching them that they need to send everybody to pelvic floor physical therapy. It's just that you're, they, they need to help you as a person to get you the patients that you love to treat. And the surgery side is interesting because if you've got somebody who basically makes their living doing a specific kind of surgery or several types of surgery in like an OB guide setting, it's going to be really hard if you walk in and start telling them that prolapse surgery is unnecessary and in 41% of cases, true story, causes <laughs> symptoms afterwards that the patient didn't have beforehand going in. But if that's your pitch to somebody who makes their livelihood doing prolapse surgeries, it's not going to be very effective. Yeah, it's not a good look, right? If you go in there and say that. However, it is a little bit of education, right? The outcome of their surgery is based on symptom reduction. So if you gently sort of talk to them about how, you know, they're super passionate maybe about the prolapse surgery, they they went to you know, this another one of my one of my doctors right had been over in Africa doing you know all these different types of surgeries for underserved populations great i've been to africa too wonderful we have that connection and then even though right i think that a lot of surgeries are done too soon i'm not going to say that right then but what i can say is hey if you ever have somebody who you really have like a post surgical trouble getting like that last bit of incontinence to go away, even though the sling is perfect, just send them over my way. Let's see if we can knock that out. Talking to them like that might be like, huh, yeah, let me do that. And then as soon as that patient walks into their door, it's going to be like, boom, yeah, let's see if you can knock that out. Right. And it sounds like a little bit of a broken record, but it seems like, again, a lot of this is predicated on being confident and knowing yourself, your strengths, and your passions as a PT, or what we always call the pelvic PT ethos, right? Yes, right. And this is exactly why I go over this all the time with my mentees, with people that take the pelvic PT essentials course. The first thing they, we go over and everyone's like, probably like, well, I didn't sign up for this. Why are we talking about our ethos? And this is why. What do we believe? What does it mean for a patient to come and get treated by us? Because that is what we end up marketing to anybody with is what we believe to be the most effective way to treat patients. And it's not going into a dissertation about the pelvic floor anatomy. And these are the four functions of the pelvic floor, which we all want to do in these physician meetings because we know they don't know about the pelvic floor. So we think that they're going to be enticed by nerdy anatomy language. Now, unless your doctor specifically asks you, hey, where's that attach again? Which, by the way, I've never been in a physician meeting where they're asking me that. Right. Then, you know, we need to go into something that that they we mutually want to be talking about. And most of the time that's getting patients better. And yeah, and th basically that's it. Like we just need to talk about how we can each get patients better in our respective fields. And when we see a lot of these threads go up in the huddle, a lot of times the question is, oh gosh, what kind of research paper should I bring in to show this doctor? Yeah, so definitely not a fan of leading with that. And if you run into a physician who is 
adamant about getting the quote research behind your treatment practice, number one, I want you to pause for a second and think what that would look like on the flip side. What would that look like if we were actually saying, can we actually get the efficacy studies on the urine culture? Could you, before I send my patient to get a UTI test, could you please send me the efficacy of the lab that you use? I'd really like to know the total number of false positives that you get, because if it's over three or 4%, that's just not a place to send my person. Right. I mean, really, at the end of the day, if we flip the script on what they're actually doing to us, it's pretty disrespectful. And I'm not sure if they actually mean that. I'm sure some of them do. <laughs> we just need to stop that dead in their tracks. Right. And so I usually ask a question in response to their question. So if they ask like, oh, where's the research on the efficacy of biofeedback on pelvic floor physical therapy or whatever they're going to sort of spew? Because frankly, I mean, really, do we really believe that they actually care about that? Probably not. So I usually ask a question right back, like, oh, what have you heard? And it's usually like that, crickets, yeah. right? What have you heard? Or what are you concerned about, about our practice, about like pelvic floor physical therapy in general that makes you ask that question? Oh, interesting. And throw it back into their court where you're saying, I mean, you're questioning, you're basically... Like, again, it's a pretty disrespectful question on its face. Like, mm -hmm. if you ask that about anybody else, you don't go and go to, like, Staples to go get a printer and ask them about, like, efficacy reports, right? Yeah. But basically forcing them to articulate why they're asking that. Usually the next part of their sentence is where you usually need to answer their question. Well, I heard that blah, blah, blah. well my friend i mean whatever it is that's usually where the conversation needs to go and you can pretty much ignore what they were asking you for in the first place and if they continue to ask for those types of study results what i think is best in in, in our best interest as pelvic pts is to answer the question that they should be asking not answering the question that they actually are asking us, right? So they're asking us, what are the studies? I'm just using biofeedback as an example because they usually have some sort of question about that. But what they really should be asking is how many of my patients are actually appropriate to be sending to you? And so what you need to be prepared with research on is the epidemiological research and the incidence-based research of how many people in X diagnosis have pelvic floor dysfunction. And so we can rattle that off for all types of different pelvic PT sort of diagnoses. So 90% of people with interstitial cystitis have pelvic floor dysfunction. 95% of people with low back pain have pelvic floor dysfunction. 70% of people with endometriosis also have evidence of hypertone pelvic floor dysfunction, right? So we need to be able to bring those even just numbers to their attention and not even necessarily have to back it up with the study, if they really want us to send them the study, then we can email that to them. And then guess what? We have their email address <laughs> to be able to do that. Right. So I would highly recommend thinking about it more from like a incidence of pelvic floor dysfunction in that specific population. And if you don't can't find those numbers with a physician that you're actually talking to, which most of the time you can, but then you can actually talk to the symptom presentation of that 
thing and extrapolate that into what we know to be true about pelvic floor dysfunction. But that's a pretty powerful thing to be approaching. Like, let's just use an OB-GYN, for example, because that's an easy, like basically about half of your patients afterwards are going to have a diastasis. About half are going to have some form of incontinence. About a third are going to have painful intercourse. Like that's a huge percentage of the people that you're seeing. Right. And so really the ask is, can we just figure out a way to just send them over to us? And then we'll sort of decide and discern from a musculoskeletal and neuromuscular standpoint, are they appropriate for pelvic PT? We promise that we can provide value for your patients. And if they don't need any more pelvic floor physical therapy, they're going to leave with a crap ton of knowledge about their new postpartum body and then call it a day. But chances are they're going to have something that we can help them with. So the goal is really just to get the patient to your office in the with the least amount of resistance from the physician. And that is kind of our final point here is make it easy on the physician. Give them an easy way to screen their patients, to get them over to you, make it seem easy and seamless to do that. Make it the path of least resistance to help you. Just like Nicole was talking about with that doctor who really didn't like treating IC, path of least resistance is, hey, here's the name of the clinic down the street. Why don't you go talk to them and get out of my hair? So there's a lot of different ways to do that. We actually developed the cozy and screening protocol basically to, to meet that need where how can you get a physician to screen for pelvic floor dysfunction? Well, one easy way is a little one page sheet with 10 questions that lets them do that. Yeah. I mean, and I think too, this is put yourself in their shoes when you're in these marketing meetings and when you're in these high volume types of offices where they don't have that much time to dive into our subjective exam, right? They have less than 10 minutes to spend with that patient, which includes an exam if they're going to do one. And remember, our patients are talkers, right? So now all of a sudden, we have to really streamline the process for them on whether or not is their patient appropriate for pelvic floor physical therapy referral. We love, I mean, a little bit biased opinion, obviously, but we, that's why we developed the Cozine Screening Dysfunction Protocol, right? And we actually did some research on it. And basically, if the person that's filling it out answers yes to three or more out of the 10 questions that screen for pelvic floor dysfunction, male or female, then they are 91% likely to have pelvic floor dysfunction. And the next part of your marketing meeting is that, and they are appropriate for a pelvic floor physical therapy referral, almost to the point where if you don't send them after they have answered yes to three or more of those questions, then you're not doing your job. And from their perspective, that makes it easy for them to do that. They can put that in their patient packet. They can send a patient home with those 10 questions. It's not something that they have to change their EMR or start incorporating into their paperwork, anything else. And we've actually told some of our local physicians, we will print these. We will professionally print them on nice paper and deliver them to your office. And they're giving them out in every single patient, uh, new patient folder that comes in. And that's just absolutely huge for raising awareness for our field. Right. And they... They ask us, they call our office and be like, hey, can you have any more of those screening protocols? Like it's really that convenient for them. So make sure that when you that make sure you're being um, aware of their time when you're in these meetings as well. So really, you're going to answer the questions that they should be asking you. Who are you? 
as a pelvic PT? What does it mean to be treated at your clinic? What makes you unique? Who are you kind of as a person? Do you connect with that physician on any other personal level? And what are the logistics of getting a patient to your clinic? So they need to be able to walk away from the meeting with the answer to those questions. Who you are, what do you treat, what are you most passionate about? Is there an area of personal connection? Are you guys both into the same yoga class? And then the actual bare bones logistics of how does a patient actually get to your office? Yes. And what is the best way to refer, right? Because that's another really good thing that a lot of times physicians get hung up on, especially for our clinic, like, oh, you're cash based. What should I tell my patient? All that kind of stuff. And really at the end of the day, it's more about like, you know what? Like that's actually, it's not a complicated position to take, but it is complicated for you to get that information in that session. So can you just, just shoot them our way and we'll explain the whole process. I can assure you it's really simple. Yeah. And that really just makes it again, make it as easy as possible. So we really hope you guys have enjoyed this episode on marketing to physicians and physician meetings. Some of the things we want you to take away, physicians are people to just connect, ask them questions. It's not a dissertation. It's not an anatomy lecture when you get in there. And it's important to have a sense of who you are and what you bring to the table as the musculoskeletal expert. Yes, we are the expert. We also have a doctorate. Please make yourself as equals with them and resist the urge of spewing your pelvic PT knowledge, anatomy, all that kind of nerdy stuff that we can get down on together. Make sure you're not doing that unless you're specifically deeming that they're super interested in that. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We really hope this is helpful and helps you just rock that next physician meeting. If you guys have any questions, if you have any topics that you want us to cover, please let us know. We'd love to hear your feedback and hear back from you and hope this has been helpful. All right. Have a good night. Bye.